guess I'm substituting for Eric this morning, and the, uh, the me and the evangelism team are substituting. Uh, we will be talking about our evangelism team. You know what we've done, how we how we do it. Well, um, I will be you know giving a presentation for maybe the first half hour or so, and then we'll be letting other members of the team you know share their insights and experiences. Then, if there's time left over, we will we can take questions from. You know, from, from you, any questions you might have. But let's begin with a word of prayer first. Oh, God, I... But God, our Father, we just come before you as your people, as people who are good news bearers. Just pray you would just reveal to us just the, what it means to be a bearer of good news, an evangelist. Um, you just uh, enable each one of us who are speaking just to speak with clarity, with, um, with sound-mindedness. And we just, just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, uh, as many of you know, there has been an evangelism team here at Gospel of Grace since April. And, um, you know, we've been going out uh, almost every week somewhere. And so I'm just going to begin by, you know, by asking you, what, what do you think when, what comes to mind when you think of evangelism out on the streets or going out on the streets to share the gospel? Is it, you know, you know, you've got, uh, you go up to a perfect stranger in public. You know, how many of you are comfortable, you know, just going up to a perfect stranger who's just sending, you know, minding his own business, you know, and... <laughs> And you want to approach him or her and start talking about Jesus, about the gospel, about salvation, about going to heaven when you pass off the scene. And you sort of wonder, wow, am I being a little bit too presumptuous? Am I being too uh, out of order, out of line? Um, well, you're really not. You know, we've been doing it for a, quite a while. And it's been a very, very good experience for, you know, for, for us. You know, you're approaching people that you, you know, to talk about something that they've maybe never talked about. You know, it's a, can be, feel, you can feel a little bit intimidated, feel a little bit out of order, feel strange. You might feel that they're going to think you're strange. But nevertheless, people have been doing it, you know, and we've been doing it here at Gospel of Grace, you know. Uh, uh, and it's, um, I mean, we'll get into it further. I thought what I'd I would begin my message simply by talking about Paul when he went to the city of Athens. I often, you know, I find a lot of things about evangelism in the book of Acts. And there's uh, the instance when Paul went to Athens, is, I, I go back to that quite often. You know, it's very, uh, every time I see something new in it, even though it's a very short narrative, uh, that doesn't go into a lot of details, I see something new just about every time. Um, let's see if I can find it here. Um, okay, Paul is in Athens. He's waiting for Timothy and Silas to show up, and so he's looking around the town, observing the town, observing the city, and he observes it. He sees it as full of idols. And again, no big surprise, the pagan cities were full of idols. Uh, people were idol worshippers. These, these Greeks and Romans whom we look back to with such respect because of their culture, literature, philosophy. You know, we're idol worshipers. And so what, what does Paul, okay, Paul is grieved by it. It says that he is, um, 
my NAS says that he, his spirit was being provoked within him as he looked at all the idols in town. And so what does, what's his response? He, you know, he does not start a campaign to shut down the idol temples and you know, outlaw uh, pagan priests and priestesses. He, he approaches the people and wants to reason with them. He approaches the, uh, he goes to the synagogue and talks to the, to the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles who go to the synagogue. And it also says that he went out onto the streets, he went to the marketplace and began to talk to people individually, you know, in the marketplace. And it says he went to the marketplace every day and just talked to those who happened to be there. Now, marketplaces in those days, you, know, you had a lot of people crowded together. Each had their, you know, their little stand. They were selling you know, food, meat, produce, uh, clothing, uh, pottery, selling all their stuff. And being a very crowded place, you know, Paul would talk to one person, people would be hearing, and they'd eavesdrop, and they'd want to get involved. And so uh, you could have, he got in very animated conversations with people in the marketplace. And this was like, well, going to Somali Mall really was sort of like, so it gave me a feel for what it was like for Paul to go to Athens to the marketplace there. And so, uh, the, he, you know, you won't be, you know, in the marketplace in Athens very long before you run into their philosophers. And it says that Paul ran into Epicurean and Stoic philosophers in verse 18, chapter 17. And again, they were, these people were hearing him, listening to him. Maybe they got into the conversation in midstream or they're listening at a distance and they can't hear that well. But some of them are asking, what, what would this idle, idle babbler wish to say? Now, what's this guy trying to prove? Now they're wondering about his message. And then others said, well, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign deities because he's talking about Jesus and the resurrection. Now, they, they hear him talk about Jesus. They hear the name Jesus. They hear, okay, that's, that's a foreign god, well, which is sort of true. And he's talking about the resurrection, and the Greek word is anastasis. And so they think, well, that's a foreign god also. They're not quite getting it straight yet. They just don't quite get it yet. They're, they're, they're not, um, just not quite able to grasp what he's saying. And so they bring, they bring him up to the Areopagus, to Mars Hill, Mars Hill, and they ask him to well, present your case to us. You're bringing some strange things to our ears, and we really want to know what's, what's this all about. And so he has an invitation to preach the gospel on Mars Hill. And what he has to do, these are pagans now. These are not Jews. He can't, when he goes to the synagogue and talks to Jews, he, said, he really, you know, these Jews know who Moses is. They know who God, well, they know who God is. They know who Moses is. They know who Abraham is. They know who the prophets are. They know the promises made to the fathers. They're people of the covenant. And so, essentially, Paul can get straight to business with them saying, God has sent Jesus of Nazareth. He is the Messiah. He has sent him in fulfillment of the promises made to the fathers. You know, you can get right down to business. With the pagans, it's different. They don't know who God is. They don't know anything. And so Paul really, um, I don't know if I, how much I want to get into the, in the Paul's message to the pagans, but he does, um, he, he does treat them as people who don't know who God is, and rightfully so, they don't. And he, uh, but he does present God as the person, you know, God is the creator of everything. 
know, some of your Greek poets says that this God, whoever he is, you know, we are his offspring. Therefore, if we are God's offspring, God cannot be a, a, a wooden or a, a metal statue. If God created us, then he is a, a person, a real personal God. You know, he, um, and he goes on to say that he, God has set the boundaries. He set boundaries for people, for nations, the times, the seasons, and everything, the ages. He set boundaries for mankind. And then he goes on to say that God has overlooked your ignorance. You know, he, he commends them for being devout people, religious people, but he says, you know, you people are ignorant. He's sort of saying, you know, God's overlooked your ignorance, you know, being very nice. And I don't know if he won many uh, admirers that way, but anyway, he, uh, he does say God is overlooking your ignorance and he is commanding everyone to repent. So now he gets into the gospel. He's presented the, you know, the preliminaries, and now he gets into the, the content of the gospel, saying God has, is declaring that men all everywhere should repent because he has fixed the day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. So he's going to present the gospel. He doesn't get that far because the Greeks don't care. They don't like the idea of the body being raised from the dead. The body is a, a base thing. It's not something that should be raised from the dead. So they, you know, Paul gets shouted down at this point. But anyway, his, but what Paul is doing here, he is speaking. He knows who his audience is. He knows that these are pagans. We have to start from the very beginning. And when you're out there, like when we are out there on the streets of Minneapolis or wherever we are, in a lot of cases, we have to go back to the beginning because we are, um, we're dealing with a, with a pagan culture. And we have to approach them as pagans, not as, as Jews or not as people who have with a Christian worldview. Now, what, the statement that I made is a generalization, which isn't true in every case, of course. But, um, but we are, you know, we are living in an age that is shedding any vestige of Christianity, Christianity that it ever has and is becoming pagan. Now, the people don't know that. They don't call themselves that, but for all practical purposes, they are. You know, by definition, they are. Um, and so I'm just going to share how I got started in evangelism. I, uh, for many, I didn't do a lot of evangelism out in public for many years as a Christian, and it's good that I didn't because my gospel wasn't quite the way it should have been. I wasn't, I was giving, uh, I would have shared, uh, shared things that I learned from my environment, the charismatic renewal and apostolic prophetic and all that. So I, it's just as well that I wasn't out there that much. But in the, around the year 2008, I began going out with the Bethlehem team when I was going to Bethlehem Baptist. And they had a team that went out on Tuesday evenings. And I, I really felt I should go out there. I wasn't that confident in myself, but I figured I really need to do this. And so I went out there, and I, uh, I guess I got, sort of got into, the, learned how to do that. I remember I talking to all kinds of people, talking to Muslims, got met Muslims, you know, talked to them for the first time. I also went out with the team from Twin City Fellowship, which was headed by Robert Bactell. And we would go to either downtown on a regular basis or to certain events around the cities. And at first, I was, I was kind of unsure of myself for a while. I, I remember I was with, a, with my partner, or, and I would sometimes be listening to him talking to somebody. I would be standing around kind of idle, you know, wondering, you know, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to say? But, 
As time went on, I sort of wondered, what am I really doing here? I just feel out of place. But I kept coming, and I gradually really got into the swing of things. I really started to uh, learn to approach people, speak with authority to them, ask them questions, be a little more assertive, ask them questions about themselves, and, and learn to you know, convey the gospel to different types of people out there on the street. Now, um, then we begin, well, now I'll fast forward to when, we, when the team got started. Uh, like I said, in spring of, the, of this past year, we met as a team and underwent training from the way of the master. We used their materials. In fact, I have, I have some of our, the materials we hand out to people over on the table over there, if you want to take a quick look at, at the stuff that is, we make available to people. Um, I also have our the DVDs out there. I don't know if, as a, as a, just as something to display, put on display. And um, we underwent, we, like I said, we underwent training. We listened to Way of the Master materials. Uh, we went out for the first time on June 11th to the Mall of America. And then we went, the next two times we went to Uptown. And since then we've been going usually to the Mall of America or Uptown. We've gone to Dinky Town once. We've gone to the uh, Somali Mall once. And I think Eric Amundsen's gone there a few times afterwards. So we've been around town, been in, you know, been encountering people. And as we've, you know, as we learned the way the master approach, and as we went out there, we developed, we developed our own approach to, to people, to the, you know, to uh, going up to people. No, there is no set method, no set script we have to use. We sort of learn something that works for us that we're comfortable with, and um, you know, our own style. Uh, one of the things that we do is we will often use a survey approach. We um, will approach people and ask them if they want to take a quick survey about religious, spiritual worldview, or something like that. And, and people are usually very, very willing. One of, one of, sometimes I will approach a person, especially if they're younger and look like, you know, they uh, look very modern. I will ask them, just out of clear blue sky, I'll ask them, so what do you do for spirituality? And that's a good way, that really is a good door to, you know, for some people. Not everyone, but for some. Also, um, we've been going out, like I said, on Thursday evenings. We go once a week, Thursday evenings, to a designated spot. Uh, we also, I have gone to other so special events, you know, this year. Sometimes, uh, I go, sometimes I go out with a team from uh, Conquering King and TCF. Uh, and so, sometimes I've gone with them to special events like Cinco de Mayo, which was in May in St. Paul. I've gone to, uh, I went to, we went to the Uptown Art Fair in August. Some of us, uh, there were a bunch of people who went uh, to the Target Center when Joel Osteen was there. <laughs> Can hear everybody chuckling there. But, uh, it was interesting to observe the different, different Christians who came there. Um, I, I was going with the way of the master people and just handing out a, uh, a booklet on the problem of pain, you know, which is not exactly what people go to you know, hear Joel Osteen talk about. 
But nevertheless, that was what they wanted. They figured that was the best approach because it was something that would provoke them to thought and because the people were in a, in a rush to get into Target Center. They were not there to, they didn't want to stand around and talk at all. So this was not the, the place where you would be able to talk to people a lot. So this was a place for handing out you know, a suitable piece of literature. And also, another thing that we've observed at, at Joel Osteen's meeting was there were people there at his meeting and at other ones, people, some Christians will go there with signs that calling upon people to repent. You know, they'll, and they'll list the things you should repent of, all the various sins that, they, that they're committing. And I know at um, Joel Osteen's meeting, there is one, there's one church in Northfield that will send people up here to various events. They will carry signs and they'll hand out literature and they will they'll look very, um, they don't look that approachable. They, don't look, they sort of look like they're really, you know, it's not, it's not the type of approach I would use. You know, it's uh, just, I'm not convinced that it works. At Joel Osteen's meeting, there were some people from out of town who were calling Joel Osteen a false prophet and telling people to not go there and everything. And so there were a lot of different styles represented at this particular, this particular meeting. So at this particular event. So when you go out there, you might meet people like that. So, you know, you'll, uh, you, won't, you will not always be the only ones out there. Um, and usually when we've gone out, there have been like usually five to nine, I think every time there's been between five and nine people who have gone, who have come together and gone out. And we usually go in, Sometimes we go individually, sometimes we go in pairs, sometimes groups of three. You know, walking around, talking to people who aren't, don't look like they're in a rush, who look approachable, and who, um, well, and who we want to share the gospel with. And I've, my, uh, <clears throat> I have certain observations, uh, you know, I've come to certain observations about, well, about evangelism out there in public, um, one of them is that most people are very open to talking, which is what's surprising at first, to find out that people are generally very open to talking, and they will take the time and talk with you. So once in a while, they'll say, well, I can't talk, I'm in a rush. Again, understandable. There aren't that many people who will say that they're just not interested. And very, so very few people turn us down, and they will... If we give them the survey, you know, they will answer our questions. They may ask us questions. Uh, we will hand them, we will give them literature if we think they're, they would read it, if it's suitable, like a New Testament, the Gospel of John, or, you know, some of the, one of the things we have over there. These people are, uh, they will often shake hands with us when we part. They will often thank us for talking to them. They will show their appreciation. So, you need not be apprehensive about going out there. Uh, the, right now, at this moment in time, the people out there are quite receptive to talking. Not that they're going to repent that moment, but they are interested in talking. And they also, um, in general, people are grossly ignorant of the gospel. You know, they, they may think they know it, but they really don't. They've been, some people have been raised in a church. Many of the people we run into, especially the younger people, have, have been raised in a church but don't go to church anymore. And they entertain thoughts about reincarnation and energy in the universe and everything. Um, 
And so they are they're just very ignorant. And the answers that they give, many of the people give answers, like I said, regarding, you know, they believe in reincarnation, but they're not convinced of it. Their, their, their answers are very poorly thought out. They're not really convinced of what they believe, many of them. And first of all, it's not cool nowadays to be serious about life's critical issues. Just not cool to take these things seriously. You've got to have this nonchalant attitude toward God, toward your eternal destiny, things like that. And what we do is we go up to them and just our very presence there, asking them questions, speaking to them authoritatively from the word of God, will get a lot of these people to think seriously. We will motivate them to think seriously. And maybe in a month or two or a year down the road, they will have other encounters. They will read tracts or literature and they will start to, uh, and they will come to faith because, you know, and over the course of time, they will come to believe the gospel. And we, you know, have had a share in it. We may, may not be the first one they've ever talked to. It might be the second or third, but we have had a share in their coming to faith. And so therefore, you know, I, um, I really look forward to evangelism, even, you know, on days when I'm, I'm working and I get, you're tired after work and you say, oh, I'd rather go home and just take it easy tonight, but I still am motivated to go out and join the team. And I find that, you know, you leave, you leave work, you drive to the mall, or you drive wherever you're going to you know, go to, and you relax a while, you have something to eat, and you're ready for an evening of evangelism. And it's, uh, you know, very, like I said, very enjoyable. It's something I look forward to. I, I have no reason to go to the Mall of America other than to evangelize, you know. <laughs> I have no purpose. There's nothing else there that I want, you know, but that I need. So, um, I'm just going to share with you a couple of instances of encounters with people, and then I will you know, let others share their experiences. I think it was a week or two ago, it was, I think it was Buck and I talked to a young Hispanic man at a kiosk at the Mall of America, and he... No, Bucky approached him and gave him a tract of some kind, and then we, that got started. That got the ball rolling. That got the conversation going, and we covered a lot of ground with him. And he was asking us a lot of questions. He was a uh, Mexican background and maybe raised Catholic, but he was asking he was asking us all kinds of questions. He was asking us, "Well, is it okay to observe the whatever the Spanish whatever they do in Mexico, the Festival of the Dead, or whatever they call it?" And is it okay? Can we, you know, can I, should, can I go there? And I, I, of course, answer as a Christian would answer, would I go there? And of course, you know, I say, no, we, you know, that's a pagan custom. We just tell them very clearly, you know, that is a pagan custom that's, you know, crept into the church. He was asking us, he mentioned things about, he knew about the rapture, he knew about end times. He told us that he had, when he had been on marijuana or something once, he had had visions of God or something. And Again, he was wondering, are these valid? And we say, well, they're really not. You know, these people like him need someone to come along and tell them very clearly, no, that's not true. This is what, this is the truth. You know, that is not valid. It's not a valid experience. It's not a valid doctrine or teaching or practice or anything. And, and so, so there's these people out there with all these vague notions. You know, they know about the gospel. They've been to church. They know about Catholicism. They know about you know, maybe Islam or whatever, and they, 
there's just a lot of uncertainty, a lot of vagueness in their mind, and just coming along and telling them something to clarify, you know, or bring a little clarity to their vagueness, you know, is, you know, it gets the ball rolling toward they're seriously coming, to, thinking about the gospel and coming to faith. And one other instance that I remember, um, I'm always going to remember, is um, it was Eric Fredrickson and I were in Uptown and we approached a young man and I asked him the question of what do you do for spirituality? And he was a little surprised at that, but it got the conversation going. And I was interrupted for a while, but Eric, and he continued walking for a while, and then I joined him later. And this uh, young fellow said that, first of all, that he, his father was, a, a, I think, a Baptist preacher or something, and he had prayed the prayer to receive Christ at age five. And again, he was wondering, well, what does that do? What does that mean? He's probably wondering, well, am I a Christian or not? What did that do for me? And so we just shared with him, well, that just because you prayed the prayer doesn't mean anything. You know, we were able to really cover a lot of ground with him. And then he also said that he's been hollered at by a lot of Christians, <laughs> a lot of people out there on the street. And he was very appreciative of our approach. He really appreciated our approach. So, again, you know, we par- parted on very good terms, and it was a pleasant encounter. And so um, that is what it's like when you go out there on the streets. And, you know, if anybody here would like to join us or is interested in pursuing the possibility you're welcome to come with us some Thursday night or whenever we go. And um, you can just come along and observe. You can join one of us in, as an observer. And we also, um, we also hold meetings each month on a Thursday. We, we do not go out that Thursday, but we have a meeting. And we, um, we're going to be looking at the second uh, series, uh, training series of Way of the Master and are covering some other topics. So... Uh, you know, just talk to me afterwards, or you can, um, you're welcome to come to the evangelism team meetings. You know, they're announced in the bulletin. And at this point, um, well, you can also talk, you know, talk to us afterwards. I'm going to, I, there are several members of our team here, and I'm going to give them the chance to come up here and share their experiences. So, um, and then, you know, when we're done, you know, we'll maybe have some time for a few to ask questions. So, uh, team, okay, Eric? Oh, you're going to use that, okay. So I guess one of the couple things that I, that I thought about is it says, you know, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. That's one of the, you know, the commands, or love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength. And it's um, something that I thought, you know, what, what is the one thing that I care that I would want told me? What's the one thing that anyone would really want told them? What's the one thing that we could do to love them? And that's to share the gospel. That's to, it says how, uh, uh, what's the word about the feet that bring good news? It's, uh, anyways, it's, it's good. It's good to, you know, it's, when we bring good news, um, you know, that's out of love. That's what I would want, what want done to me. It's like uh, I told a coworker, or actually a, a while ago, I, I prayed to God, you know, give me words and boldness to, to speak to this coworker. And so that, that lunch break, I, uh, I said, have you heard of the prophecies Christ fulfilled? And, you know, he, the first thing he said was, you can't talk about God and work. You can't, you know, you can't mention that. He's like, no, Eric, that's just not the place you're going to get the customers mad. And then I had a Christian coworker next to him, and he's like, yeah, Eric, this is not the place, you know. And so I listened to that for a couple minutes, and, uh, you know, I was thinking in my heart, you know, I, I know that's foolishness, God, I'm to acknowledge you. And I just, you know, they kept talking about something else. And then God put on my heart to say, if, uh, 
if you knew someone was going to commit suicide, would you tell them not to? And, you know, he was joking about it. You know, he's like, oh, I'd show them how to point the gun at their heads. And then he's, and then he's like, no, if you knew, and he's like, he finally answered it. You know, he's kind of, well, yeah, you know, I'd tell him not to. And it's like, in the same way, when I share you the gospel, it says, whoever believes in the Son has life. Whoever rejects the Son does not have life, for the wrath of God remains on him. And, you know, that, that hit him to the heart. I could just, he was quiet for a bit, which is, you know, kind of unusual after a comment for him. Um, but, yeah, it's, you know, it's like God gives us word. He gives us strength. We don't have to, you know, worry about, it says, lean all your anxiety on him, for he cares for you. It's like the God that uh, died for us, the God that, that gives us eternal life. Um, yeah, he cares for us. Yeah, he answers prayers. Um, and I think, uh, and I think uh, an example I could give would be, I actually met a guy uh, from a Philippian church, and he gave me this example. Um, it really, I was just encouraged to see, you know, a guy that came from the Philippines, and I, I said, I knew we served the same God when he gave this story, because he said, you know, I was in the Philippines, it was a place I didn't want to raise my family, so I prayed to God, get me, uh, let me go somewhere else. I, I think it was America he asked for, but regardless, he was on a trip to America, and he, uh, he asked someone, you know, there you know, for a job or something, because he said, because that would get him in a visa or whatever it is that gets him here. And so normally it's a 10-year waiting period, but he got there that year. He got to go out of the Philippines, and that's, you know, an answer to prayer. And I said, yeah, that's, we serve the same God. He answers prayer. And uh, this that night he was talking to a junior high, and he said, uh, well, before I sit down on it, uh, he, he gave this metaphor. He said, you know, to know God is one thing, this, you know, knowing God. And he said, but, you know, to believe God, to trust him, you know, that's another thing. And then, uh, you know, to really believe God, it's, it's like, uh, you know, I'm a shy guy, but uh, God gave me, he presents opportunities, he does. And when I especially, when, you know, when I pray to him and I ask God, and then I know it's, you know, it's him that answers prayer, and I know that he gives me the boldness to do so. And one night I was walking into a, uh, I was out on the street, and I was just talking with the Muslims, and there are, he, he wasn't able to answer the questions that, you know, God was allowing me to ask him. And, and, uh, one, and so he said, you need to go, you know, can I bring you and ask, ask these questions to one of our leaders, you know, one of our, in the uh, mosque or whatever, somewhere else. And so he brought me into a coffee shop. And it's like, uh, you know, I, I was just, there was a, there was a bunch, there was probably 20 people in there. And, um, and there, you know, and, and so I asked the question, it's like I didn't even, I was just trusting it. I just, it's like, well, you, you brought me in here. All right, so I just, I just spoke up, you know, and asked one of them, you know, a question about, all right, I think I put, <laughs> I forget how I started it, but anyways, it, uh, it went probably smoother than this story will go, but, but uh, <laughs> anyways, I, I, was, I was in there, and so I had, he had one of them had a, uh, a Bible, or a, what they, it's just like a quick guide on how to refute or other people or something. It's like they have, they have this religious book they like to carry, some of them. And so he had it on his table, and I put the Bible on the other table, and I started talking about, you know, and, and, and this is the metaphor that the guy gave. I don't know if I can get my feet on this chair, but it's like, <laughs> now are you really, you know, are you going to trust God? And it's like, yeah, God, you, you've got me. And so, you know, and I started, I'm not flexible enough to hold him up there, but I started talking and it's like, you know, God just gave me the words to present. So we have Muhammad, we have Moses, okay, or we have Jesus. Um, two prophets, and they can't, and I started, you know, talking about how, so Moses said that after me a prophet will come, or a prophet will come like me, 
listen to him. And as you know, and so we have these two prophets. And which one is like Moses? Which one can we listen to? And it's, you know, I, I can't remember how else that scripture goes, but it's so encouraging the story of Moses that I'm going to share it anyways. I can't remember what else happened there, but God, you know, anyways, uh, so Moses, you know, he's raised uh, by the princess of Egypt, not his own mother. Jesus, raised by Mary, not his true mother. He's got one father, he's God. Moses, at a time where they were, you know, taking him to kill all the infants, they were, uh, you know, they were going to kill all the infants at that time of Jesus as well. Yeah, um, Moses at a time, and then I'll share what they say Muhammad is like, Jesus, after this, it's, it's, it's kind of laughable. But anyways, it's, uh, so then Moses... He brings the Egyptians or the Israelites out of slavery from Egypt. Jesus brings us out of slavery to our sin. Uh, Moses, uh, like Jesus, performs these miraculous signs through God. And, uh, you know, to bring them out, Jesus also performs miraculous signs. Once in the desert, you know, Moses feeds them this food from God. Jesus is the spiritual food. If we believe in him, we have everlasting life, not just physical life. Um, in the, you know, he sets up the snake, and, and whoever believes in the snake is not cursed, and in the same way, whoever believes in the sun is not cursed. On their way to this promised land, uh, like we're on the way to heaven, uh, it's like if they believed God, they, they did enter the promised land, but it is few, and it said also that the, the road to uh, salvation is few, or it's narrow, and it's like, you know, only Caleb and uh, I hand, you know, I can't remember who was it, Joshua, and, okay, yeah, entered the promised land, and it's like, you know, they believed God, they entered the promised land. We believe God, we enter the promised land, we strive for that, we can see that in Moses. We know that Jesus is like Moses. It's plain to us if God allows us to see it, but, you know, Muhammad, they're, they're like, so was Jesus, was Jesus married? Uh, well, no, Jesus wasn't married. Well, Moses was married. Well, did Jesus have kids? Uh, no, Jesus didn't have kids. Well, Moses had kids. You know, and I was just like, well, you got two. But that, you know, I, I came home later, and God didn't really allow me to see how, how ridiculous it is then, but it's like, well, I know a lot of people that are married and have kids. You know, it's like, what kind of prophecy fulfillment is that? It, it, but, uh, but here we have, you know, Jesus, great. You know, it's, it's clear that Jesus fulfills that prophecy. And, yeah. That's that's the story I wanted to share, but yeah. Okay, is there anyone else? Okay, Eric. Well, we got plenty of time. It's, it's only nine thirty-five. Yeah. Hello, um, I'm Eric Fredrickson. Have to say that because we got a lot of Erics, <clears throat> and I'll tell you just briefly. I think it was two years ago or so that somehow I just purposed in my heart that I needed to become better at sharing my faith. I did not make a promise to God because I'm afraid to do that. (laughs) But I just, for some reason, I just felt I've got to become more intentional. And so when we started coming to church here and I found out that there was an evangelism team, I thought, okay, I'm going to do this. Now, I... A year ago, joined the Gideons, and we have some materials for sharing faith as well. So I've read some books and all of this stuff, because that's the kind of guy I am. I read the books, and then I'll sit there on the fence and hesitate. (laughs) You know, it's kind of scary. 
But my main reason for doing it was I wanted to get on the evangelism team and start doing this just to get out of my comfort zone and literally to practice on people that I don't know. (laughs) Now, I do not believe in what they call friendship evangelism. I don't think that's how you're going to change the world for Jesus Christ. And we have a world that needs, we're to be faithful to our calling even though we may be in the last days. We've been in the last days, I guess, from the day that Jesus was resurrected. I think some of the theologians know about that better than I do. But we're called to be faithful. Now, each of us has a little different comfort zone. Some of us are shy. Some of us are outgoing. I think most of us, most people that I know, including myself, if you get to know if, I, if I'm kind of familiar with the person, then I'm friendly and I like to talk and visit. But strangers, that's a little different. But a lot of these things, if you just get in the habit, it's amazing how it, how it works out. So just briefly, I wanted to just explain that that was my motivation. And I told my wife, I said, I think I'll go out with these guys a few times just to kind of get better at this stuff. And then when I run into people, I'll be able to to just be better at, at sharing my faith in Jesus Christ. Well, I've been going out every Thursday night. It's just, it, the, the, the surprising thing is, is that it's a huge blessing. Now, I don't think you want to do something because you're going to feel like you're going to get blessed. You do it to be obedient. But it's just a funny thing how when we're obedient, God blesses us in ways that we just do not predict. We can never predict. And I I echo what Steve said. I'll be working. I'll be tired. You could ask my wife. Most nights after dinner, I kind of like to sit in my favorite chair. (laughs) I'll pretend to read for a while and, you know, (laughs) you know. But Thursday nights, I go down there and wherever we're going, and it, it just, and we have just a variety of different, you know, as far as how we run it, we'll, we'll talk to seven, eight people, nine people. Sometimes we'll get into a discussion for a long time with someone. Um, and it seems like every night you'll run into some some people that are, uh, you know, not interested or they've got, you know, things that you just feel like you're not adequate. But then every night there'll be something where you say, this this really is such a blessing, you know. Um, and so I'll share just a couple things. I, and I guess the, the last thing I was going to leave you guys with, though, I'm, I'm not done, but I'll, I'll share some little uh, situations here. But um, I just feel like, um, what's the church for, you know? And, and I, I just, in my own mind, I'm not a theologian, so I can't prove this out of the Bible, but discipleship, fellowship, and evangelism is what I feel that the church is for. And if churches did more evangelism and if the churches were doing more good quality discipleship which by the way this church does good quality discipleship and that's why we're here and I thank God for that and I thank our pastors and all of you people for that in other words I need discipleship and I need encouragement from other believers but I think we need to be about the business of evangelism a little bit and each of us a little bit now, some of us are more shy than others, and some of us don't have, you know, the, the, but I think we would all be wise to consider getting out of our comfort zone a little bit, like Steve was saying, if you want to come along sometime with us, you know, um, because it's surprising 
I used the term, I was out with Ryan Amundsen, and I said, boy, this is fun tonight. Or, or I think I said, last week I had a lot of fun, and Ryan said, well, I, you know, what do you mean, fun? <laughs> but, but it is, it's a joyous kind of a fun, you know? We think of fun as a good party or stuff like that, but it's fun. It, it, it's fun in, a, in, in the best way, in the highest way. I'm going to just share a couple things um, now, Mark Amundsen is not here. I have to say, Mark, I've, I've gone out and talked uh, with him a little bit and Ryan. Um, these young guys are a lot of fun to go out and talk with, you know, go out and, 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 go out and, and visit with. Um, I was very nervous, like any of us would be, about how do you break the ice, you know? And I've read some books on it, and, and this, The Way of the Master is excellent, you know, the, uh, the one that we do. And I, I've tried to use occasionally other uh, approaches, just because you kind of read the situation a little bit, but you want to get the idea across that that we are all depraved sinners and we need a savior, and you try to get that across. You try to get the person to talk, and but you try to get the idea out there. And I usually like to say, "Well, I think you're a pretty good guy," but then again, I'm a depraved sinner too. <laughs> so, so a lot of times, a little bit of humor works, but you have to then. Bring it to um, to some meaningful stuff, and I guess where I've changed in my view over the years is that I'm just happy if I can point people towards God's Word, encourage them to read the Bible, and and to get with a good church and and just just discover and explore the promises and and really the the fact that we are sinners. People don't think of themselves as sinners, so this this is a good program, and it's very rewarding for everyone that's gone out, I'm sure. I will just share a couple things. The first time I went out, it was to the Somali Mall, and I drive from Buffalo, and I prayed all the way in, (laughs) because I thought, you know, well, basically, I don't know, my heart was led to just pray continually and say, you know, God, help me remember that this is not about me. Help me get away from my pride. Just forget the pride and be humble and put this on you. And I just have to, have to leave it all with you. And I prayed that type of thing, and I tried to go over our little, you know, kind of approach for about an hour because I was kind of scared. <laughs> and so we're walking around the Somali Mall. We're walking in, uh, the, us guys. And, you know... Um, I kind of, we got separated a little bit, and I was by myself, so I went and found some little accounting. Uh, there was some tax preparers, and I'm a CPA. I do taxes. So I walked in at these two guys and talked to them a little bit about just familiar stuff. And, and then I, I was so scared. All I did is that I said, well, I'm really not here to talk to you guys about taxes. You know, I, I'm a Christian. <laughs> so I, I did this all wrong, you know. I did this completely wrong. This is my first attempt, you know, but I ended up giving them uh, the the uh, stop tract, and um, and you know thanking them, and you know we got along well, and so I thought, okay, I did that. So then I, I'm wandering around by myself, and I'm looking for the other guys, and what do I find? But uh, over in this one area, I think it was Steve Minty and Steve Ziff and Eric. I think uh, there was about three guys, and they were. Each of them was standing around and had about five Muslim guys around them. So obviously somebody had broken the ice. (laughs) And so I just stood by uh, somebody. And 
pretty soon I found myself joining in the conversation. So the ice had been broken. But this was an interesting night because I had about three, four guys standing there peppering me with questions. And, and the questions were like this, okay? Um, one of the guys was pretty argumentative. In fact, they were all, I, I wouldn't say argumentative, but they really were animated. They had a lot of stuff to say, you know? Uh, and this is fun. Uh, after going out more times, I think that's one of the nicest, one of the most fun places to go. <laughs> but one guy was more argumentative, and then there was another guy that had a lot of questions, lots of tough questions. But he, his questions were kind of contradictory, okay? Why are you guys here? Okay? Why don't you come more often? Why aren't more of you here? Why didn't you bring a whole Bible? Because I had a little uh, Gideon New Testament that I offered this guy. Why didn't you bring the whole Bible? You know? And, and I think what I finally said, and again, this is my first night, and I didn't, I didn't know about you know, all the stuff I tried to remember. You know, I kind of, it goes in the back of your brain, and you're just going on reflexes. And I just said, you know, I'm an old guy, and it took me about 15 years before I really believed in Jesus Christ as my Savior. Because I didn't believe I was a sinner. I didn't, I didn't want to turn control of my life over to anyone. And I realized that if God, the creator of the universe, wants to, wants to tell me how to live, I'm a fool not to listen to him. And I said, I'm here for the love of it. I'm not here to sell you anything. You know? And you know the guy? He said, well, okay, maybe you, maybe you could give me one of these New Testaments. And he ended up, could, could I buy you a cup of tea? And, and, and we went into this little shop, and he bought me some tea. He insisted on paying for it. And then, to show you how dumb I was, I thought, I, didn't, I realized later, we could have sat down together and had a nice visit. Because these Muslims, you know, they're, they're kind of, it's not really acceptable for them to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. <laughs> and so they, they're out there, and they're talking, and they're, you know, um, and I think Steve, Steve uh, Minty and I, we've talked a little bit. And I think that most of the guys that go there, they, they, they see the dynamics. And part of it is these guys, are, they want to know what's happening. Part of it is they're curious. But they have to have plausible deniability. That's why they want to ask tough questions. But a lot of them really, really, well, they all need the gospel. We know that. But a lot of them are open to it, I think. So that was a, a hugely instructive, and, a, and I've not been back there. I know Eric Amundsen has gone back there a lot, and uh, we've talked, uh, some of us guys, about whether there should be more of an emphasis on, on the Muslim people. If we, had, if we had 20 or 30 people, there might be a few people that would like to regularly go there because, uh, like I said, why aren't more of you here? <laughs> why don't you come more often, you know? I mean, and... The, you know, so, and then the other thing about that night, there was a young guy standing, he's probably in his late teens, just a quiet guy, he said nothing. And so I'm standing around, you know, people, you know, asking questions and all of that. And I said to this guy, no matter where I was, he was right nearby. And I said, well, do you have any questions? And he said, no. He's just listening. So you just never know what you're doing, you know. Um, I'm going to share one other thing, and then maybe somebody else can come up. Um, this was a, a and, and there's, I tell you what, there are many. I, I could sit here for quite a while, and I know, Steve, you could too. Um, 
But one night, Mark Amundsen and I were out at, um, at the Uptown area, and I was not having a good night. I think that was the second time I went out. I've had a lot of very good nights since then. But, um, you know, I was running into people. In fact, I ran into a Catholic woman, and I, I tried to break the ice, and I said, um, you know, tell me, do you have any spiritual beliefs? You know, you try to get people to talk. And she said, yeah, I'm a Catholic. And I said, oh, well, well, that's interesting, you know. I said, you know, the first Bible I read was the Jerusalem Bible. And that's a Catholic Bible. I said, I've read some of the, some of the other, you know, the uh, uh, Tobit and Maccabees. And I said, and I said you know, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien was one of the editors of the Jerusalem Bible, one of the translators. So I thought we're breaking the ice real good. And she says to me, I don't think you guys should be down here just talking to people about Jesus Christ. You should be doing things. You know, and, and, and of course, of course, my first thing was to, to argue with her, and I, I bit my tongue, bit my tongue, but I, I did manage to say, you know, how are people going to come to faith unless they hear the word of God? So I did, I did, you know, but then, you know, basically I had to excuse myself, and, 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 and but I was really steaming after that, you know, I was, I was so mad, but then later that night, you know, um, Mark Amundsen and I connected together, and we were walking on our way back. And Mark, and this is something I've learned, is that I was trying to use all of these nice little ice-breaking lines. Mark would just go up to people, and this is what I've been doing for several weeks, is just say, you know, we're out um, tonight just visiting with people, and, and we're just trying to see, you know, find people. And we just wanted to ask you if you have any, if you'd like to talk about the Bible and Jesus at all. Do you have any questions, you know? We're out. I, said, I, I say to people, you know, some churches have softball teams that go out on Thursday nights, and our church has an evangelism team. And we don't play a softball game, but we just go out and look for people who want to talk about the Bible. Would you like to? And it's amazing how many people do. So this one kid, the, uh, okay, Mark was with me, and there's a young a black fellow sitting on a bench uh, in Uptown, and Mark goes up and asks him uh, the question, you know, just, you know, do you have anything you'd like to talk about? You know, any thoughts about the Bible? And the guy looks at us and he says, I've been thinking about, a, about the Bible a lot lately. Yeah, I'd like to talk about the Bible. And Mark and I are going, wow, you know? And we talked to him for quite a long time. But, but here's what I wanted to say. And this kind of touches with what something Steve said earlier. The first thing he said to us is he said, you're not going to make me pray a prayer, are you? <laughs> and we said, no, no, that's not what this is about. You know, we just want to talk about the Bible and about Jesus Christ because, you know, it's, each person has to come to faith on their own. So it was a wonderful evening that we had, and we talked for a half hour. But at the end of the night, in fact, it was partway through the thing. He said, I'm gay. And I said to him, you know what? It's interesting that the Lord would bring me to you because my brother is gay. And I said, my brother is unrepentant. You know, we have our, we have a, a, a my brother thinks that I'm a bigot. Uh, he really doesn't like me very much. <laughs> but but we, that was a connection that we had, and we talked a lot. And this guy is ready. I hope he is, has, 
I hope he's a believer in Jesus Christ now. But I said to him, all you can do, I said, I can't tell you that homosexuality is not a sin, but covetousness is a sin too. And idol worship is a sin and lying. Every single one of us is a sinner. You just bring your sin to Jesus Christ and cover it with the blood of Jesus Christ. I, I, I said to him, you know, I can't change what what the... We can't change the law, but we can claim the grace. So don't let that hold you back, you know. And and I would say this as a final thing, and then we can get somebody else up here, is that to me the big benefit of going out and doing this is that you get in conversations with people that are really, you know, it's amazing how many deep and, and wonderful conversations you get into, and it, it helps you grow in your faith, and, and just you see a little bit into people's lives. There's all these people, they want to share their lives. They're, they're so in a, isolated, a lot of them. So anyway, that's, that's probably enough out of me right now. Thank you. Yeah, one, one thing that we often do after we've been out is we will stand around and we will do a post-mortem on a conversation we've had, and we... We regret that we didn't say this. We said this thing. We should have said that thing. Well, that you know, maybe it's okay to do that. But uh, I think the last time Eric and I were out at the mall, and I, I really, we had a conversation that I really thought I, I should have done much differently with it. But anyway, and I was probably I should have been a little more authoritative. These were I was talking to pagans. I should have just been a little more, you know, authoritative, assertive. But then you figure, well, next time I run into somebody, I'll be more prepared. So even, even an event, a conversation, an encounter that you think is, didn't turn out so good, we'll prepare you for another one that's going to, with a similar type person. So you don't, even your seeming defeats can turn out to, you know, be for your benefit. Okay, is there anybody else? We've got about five minutes here. Anybody else want to, okay, uh, Ryan? Thanks, Steve. I got to follow Eric over here, so uh, <laughs> not quite as eloquent as him. But you know, a couple things that I wanted to share is, you know, I used to always think that going out and sharing with people meant going to some third world country, going and sharing with these people that haven't heard about the gospel. And what I've really come to understand is that people here in the cities, in the states, need the gospel. We were on the U of M campus quite a while ago, and we ran into this person from Japan. And, you know, as I was asking, you know, we're going around asking people about their spiritual beliefs. And he said, well, I'm from Japan. I, we, we don't really have any beliefs. We, we don't really carry any of that. It's just, we just kind of work and do our thing. And I'm thinking, here is a guy who has never heard the gospel. He said, yeah, have you heard the gospel before? No, I've never heard the gospel. And I'm like, what a privilege is this to be able to share the gospel with this person? And, you know, just to be able to go through and say, you know, the Bible has these standards that we're supposed to follow in the Old Testament. And it says that the people who don't follow these standards, they're guilty of death, and that death isn't just a physical death here on earth, but that death is a separation from God for all eternity. And to be able to share that with him, and you know, but you know, this is really bad news. What, what are we going to do about this bad news? Well, it's not something that we do. It's something that God has done for us. And to be able to share about Jesus Christ and about his atoning work that it's only through Jesus Christ alone that we are saved. It was just such a privilege. And to see him understand and ask some questions about that and to be able to give him some literature to read, it was just such a privilege and an honor. And there's been 
several cases of doing that. But another thing I'd like to share is you'll run into people that they have their beliefs, you know, be one of the universe and all this kind of things. And you're sitting there wondering, you know, how do these people get these beliefs? Where does this come from? And it, it really just affirms to me that we need to be reading the Bible. The Bible is what we base our beliefs off of. The Bible is the word of God. And we need to share that with people. Well, you have your beliefs, that's great. You know, why do you believe that? Where do those come from? And to be able to say, this is from God, and this is why. And this is, if it is from God, we need to be listening to that. We need to be obeying that and doing what it says. And then to be able to share that with those people and say, this is why I believe the Bible. This is the evidence that it has. You know, what do you have with your beliefs? And, you know, that's one thing I like to do when I'm sharing with these people is to ask about their beliefs, generally be asking about it, be interested in that, because people don't necessarily want to hear me talk all the time, and I probably wouldn't either. So I like to ask them. It helps get them involved in what they believe. And most people like to talk about what they believe as well. So, And that gives us great opportunities to share about the Bible as well. You know, I'll say, well, here's what you believe. Well, this is what the Bible says about that. You know, why do you believe this? This is the evidence the Bible has. So being able to share God's word through that is been such an encouragement. So I, I thank everyone here for the opportunity to do that and thank the pastors as well for giving us the tools that we need to be able to go out and share the gospel. Thank you. Well, it is uh, 10 o'clock, so we should probably adjourn here. If anybody has any questions, you can talk to any, any one of us you know, during our, our break time here. So, okay, God bless. Thank you.